before we had gotten taken away, we were in an apartment in Compton for about nine months, a whole school year, where we didn't go, I didn't go to third grade and my brother did not go to fifth grade. Um, we actually flunked, we failed third grade and fifth grade. Um, and we got left in the house for nine months and my brother would go, my brother Daniel would go out every day and go and steal something from the grocery store to cook for us. Hi everybody, I'm Katina McHenry. Welcome to another episode of Fuck Fear. Today's guest is someone who is very close to my heart and soul, my cousin, my young, who lives in LA. And today we are talking about trauma-induced fears. So welcome to the podcast, cousin. Thank you for having me, cousin. Yes. I am so excited to be here. Yes, you are like, whenever we talk, it is so, it, it just does such amazing things to my heart and soul and you were like my barometer on life and Aww. like whenever you know it's like we have had similar experiences um in adulthood but today we're going to go back a long ways to our childhood so i first like to start with the question i ask all my guests which is what are you afraid of today um i'm just i'm <laughs> afraid anytime. of i'm afraid of mice <laughs> <laughs> I'm deathly afraid of mice and rats like I oh. am going to have a seizure if I see one it is just oh ridiculous God. how deathly afraid I am of them <laughs> outside of that nothing I'm fearless these days I love it I love it so let's start with let's go back many years. I mean, now as an adult, we were talking one of our last conversations about all the things that in your childhood that have led to the fears that you face now in adulthood. So let's okay. talk about some of the things that you um, have been afraid of through your life. And then let's talk about how you think you got to that point. So okay. you recently talked about just your fear of dancing. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Because you're a good dancer. <laughs> But like that led okay. to conversation about why. So let's talk about some of the things I think that have been most poignant, like some of your most, your deepest fears in adulthood. My deepest fears in adulthood, yeah. I would have to say, um, has been my own success. Um, believing in myself has been one of my fears that has paralyzed me from in the past from growing and succeeding in the areas that I knew that I was equipped to succeed in, but I was like paralyzed for afraid to just believe in myself. Yeah. And I would contribute that to my childhood, um, not being poured into, um, not being guided, not being told that I could be anything like, you know, it's, it sounds cliche, but parents often, or our advisors often tell us, um, if they're good to you, you could do anything. Yeah. The sky's the limit. Um, if you want to fly to the moon, you can fly to the moon. You could be an astronaut and you can, and you can, you can get there. I was never told that. Mm -hmm. So growing up, it was really hard for me to, um, do anything. So with that, I got into relationships, um, two marriages, where both of them were fi the financial, the breadwinner, and they were the ones that took care of me. 
Mm -hmm. um, financially because I didn't feel like I could take care of myself. Um, yeah, think so, that led to feeling like feeling unworthy in some way. I mean, obviously you're capable of accomplishing a lot and you always have been, but do you think it led to feeling like you were unworthy or didn't um, have a lot of value? Absolutely. I always, I grew up feeling worthless. Like mm. I grew up feeling like a burden. Um, I didn't feel, I didn't realize that I had attributes. I didn't realize that the things that I was good at was some things that somebody else weren't good at. Mm. And so you bring up dancing, okay? Mm-hmm. I um, grew up in a house where with four girls, um, addition, I'm the fifth, and we danced. We Well, they danced. They sang. They We had um, grew up with um, having like talent shows. And I, they would tease me so much because I did not, I was not very good at coordinated uh, choreographed moves. And with that, because I wasn't very good at it, they would laugh and they would tease me. And so it gave me this phobia um, as I grew up, you know, 12, 13, 14, um, even to college, my first college party with my roommates, um, I, the, we went into my, I went to give you a quick story we went to college party um new to new to being independent uh the first time away from home and we get invited to a college party a, a, a fraternity party and we go and the music comes on and there's this song I think it was new edition it was a it was a popular song and my roommates run out to the dance floor and they start dancing and I, I go with them, but I stop right as if, right when they're walking on the dance floor, I just abruptly stopped. Mm. And they're dancing and they're hanging, they're having fun, uh, <laughs> raising their hands, making noises. And I'm just standing there paralyzed looking at them. And then it wasn't until one of my roommates that I'm the closest to today, she came over to me and she said, why aren't you dancing? And I was like, oh, I don't dance. And she said, what do you mean you don't dance? I said, I'm fearful of dancing. She goes, why do you not, what, do you, what are you fearful of? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't think I have rhythm. She said, yes, you have rhythm. She goes, I've seen you in the, in, in the dorm dancing to music. Like, and I can move, I can shimmy, but it was something about a crowd of people. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what are you afraid of? She kept asking me, what are you afraid of? And I was like, they're going to laugh at me. And she says, what do you mean? No one's looking at you. And I'm like, yes, they are. She goes, she said, stop, look around the room. She said, let's just do a quick scan. Just let's just scan the room. So we scan the room. She goes, is anybody looking at us? And I'm like, no. She said, so she starts dancing and she said, did anybody look? She said, watch, she starts dancing. She said, did anybody look at me when I did that? I was like, no. She was like, no one cares about you that much. Is no one's giving you that much attention. Get out here and dance. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. So she grabs me by the hand and she takes me to my other two roommates and the four of us are dancing. And for the first time Mm. I danced as if no one was watching, Mm -hmm. you know, that saying love if you've never been loved before, you've never been hurt, dance as if no one's watching, live as if you never had life before. So I danced for the first time, 18 or 19 
And I got over my fear of dancing. Yeah. And now wow. I am a dancing machine. Look, no one can stop you, girl. <laughs> you cannot stop me from dancing. I dance every day. I love it. Now. I so love it. That is my first story of overcoming fear. Yeah. So you've had a lot of firsts in your life yeah. as an adult because of a lot of your fears. So let's go back. Um, a while back, um, as a child, and let's talk about some of the things, some of the traumatic things that caused your fears. I mean, obviously, Aunt Gail, your mom passed away when you guys were young, but, um, yes. you know, you and um, your siblings, my other cousins, um, spent a lot of time by yourselves when you were young. So yes. can you talk through some of that and a lot of stuff like we didn't like a lot of stuff. I didn't know until we were adults, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Daniel, your brother would come over. And um, so let's just, let's just kind of just go through the history. Let's, okay. let's start. So um, our first, so what, what ended up happening? So we got, we, my, my siblings and I, we, it's four of us total. We were separated um, when we were about, 10 I was 10 and he was 12 mm -hmm. um our mom passed away an untimely death of um I say suicide um yeah. and I say that because that is what was written in the documents yeah she OD'd she took a cocktail similar to Bobby Brown's son mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read um he the autopsy came out well, that is what my mom did. She took a cocktail of drugs and she OD'd, she died. And that came because she lost custody of us. Um, mm -hmm. She had gotten, we got taken away from her. Um, and during the time that we were, we before we had gotten taken away, we were in an apartment in Compton for about nine months, a whole school year yep. where we didn't go. I didn't go to third grade and my brother did not go to fifth grade. Um, we actually flunked. We failed third grade and fifth grade. Um, and we got left in the house for nine months. And my brother would go, my brother Daniel would go out every day and go and steal something from the grocery store to cook for us. Yeah. Hence why he's a great cook today. Yeah. Um, it may be a pack of steak. It may, one pack of, it may be a steak or it may be, it may have been a pack of tortillas or a load of a loaf of bread and all and and some cheese for a grilled cheese. It all depend on what he could get that day. Well, one this particular day, he actually got um, picked up for shoplifting. Yeah. And I think and how old were your how, how old were your youngest siblings? Um, so six and four. Yeah. Six four six four, six, eight, and 10. So yeah. I was eight. He was 10 because she had died. She died when I was 10 and he was 12. Yeah. So yeah. Um, four, six, eight, and 10. Okay. Um, and so whatever he can get. So this particular day he got caught, but I think that they had been, um, watching him for a while and they, I guess they didn't want to, you know, pick a kid up for He's shoplifting. So they yeah. probably let him but this particular day he got caught and they the police brought him LAPD brought him or must have been sheriff so sheriff because LAPD is Los mm -hmm. Angeles so we were in Compton um mm -hmm. so the sheriffs brought him to um 
to our apartment and this is the first time that I experienced fear. Okay. Mm -hmm. so he Mm -hmm. leave he left my brother left and we had this special knock and it was and that knock let us know that it was him and that I would open the door well this particular day it was boom 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 Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh my gosh what is this now I'm the head of household at this point I'm eight Mm -hmm. there's a six-year-old and there's a four-year-old who cries who we believe it was a drug baby when he was born, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, he cried a lot. And so he was crying, hunger, he was hungry. And I hear my brother says, Maisha, it's me, open up. So I looked at the, we had a window right next to the door and that was the window that we looked out of every day, counting to a hundred. And every time we would count to a hundred, that would mean that our mom was coming. So we counted to a hundred a million times she never came back. So I looked out the window and I saw him standing there with the police. I don't know if at the time, I think I knew what a police was, but I don't know if I had encountered a police ever. And now I'm like, fear took over. Yeah. And um, I opened the door and before I could say anything, my brother says, Maisha, don't say anything. And this feeling that I've never felt before, even though, or although our mom was gone for periods of time, I was never scared. Mm -hmm. Because my brother was our protector. And there was always somebody coming over, like here and there checking. So I don't know if I've ever had experienced fear, but this feeling now what I call anxiety came over me, just washed over my body. And it was just like, it just dropped. And the police asked, he said, where is your mom? And I'm mute. And my brother is saying, I already told you my mom is at work. And he says, oh, the police says, okay, but well, when she coming home, he goes, I don't know. She works various. And he was so smart. Mm. He was like, I don't know. She works various uh, shifts. He said, well, we're just going to sit here and wait for her. And they did they for hours. Stop. Yes. I didn't know and waited, that. And waited and waited until the point they went next door to this lady, this older senior. She was like a senior. And my thing today as an adult, if I knew that there was four little kids, she knew that there was four little kids next door, but she never said anything. Mm. But this particular day, he went next, the police went next door and knocked on the door and asked if she had seen our mom. And she said no, and she fed us oatmeal, and we sat there until the police came and got us, and uh, more cars came, because it was four of us, and another car came, and they took us, snatched us out of our Mm. house with the shoes that we, we, the only pair of shoes we had, um, which were holy, the clothes were dirty, our hairs weren't combed and they took us. The girls were in one car and the boys were in another. Mm. And we went to, I went, my sister and I went to one foster home and my brother, brothers went to another. But before they put us in foster homes, they took us to McDonald's and they got us food 
and I then from McDonald's they took us to um uh Edelman which is child court mm-hmm. and we sat there until they found us a place and then they took us and we never seen each other again yeah and and we got separated yep yeah so Daniel our brother my parents adopted him and mm. I mean I remember you guys like coming over to spend the night but of course you know that that was a time when adults did not share anything with kids <laughs> like right. it was adult right. you know adult situations adult conversations so we just knew that you know your mom had passed and that he was coming to live with us and um and and we didn't know anything from there but I mean so many other things happened from there yeah, but a lot of know. things happened. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things transpired um, after that. So that was my first encounter with fear. Yeah. And I think being separated from mm-hmm. my from my protector um, is probably when fear became my partner. Yeah. Fear became my partner and I didn't do a lot of things. The only thing that I was not afraid of, I was not afraid of um, running because I ranch, I, 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 in my new home, um, I went off to live in multiple foster homes um, up until I was emancipated. I was an emancipated 18 years old and I was emancipated. So I went to several foster homes up into my 18th birthday. That's what's emancipated. So I was never adopted. I was a ward of the court till I was 18. Um, and one of my foster parents um, realized that I was really athletic and got me, signed me up for track. And that is when I fell in love with uh, running. And I think that was, I don't say, I think that I know that that was my um, saving grace. Yeah. That is what saved me from a lot of things, I would go back to running, um, but afraid to do anything. Yeah. So what do you to go ahead? I'm sorry. From, from the point of even before being emancipated, I imagine a lot of your fears that you experienced in adulthood developed in that time between the time you were um, separated from your siblings to um, to 18. So what, if you can think back, what are some of the other things, I think, what is, what are some of the other fears that you think developed during that time that, that carried over um, into childhood? Um, fear of being abandoned. Mm. So what, what, what happened was um, my friendships, I had a very hard time cultivating friendships because I was afraid that they would leave me because every time somebody that I loved, they left. Yeah. And that was my siblings. That was my mom. That was the dad who I didn't know was not there. So yeah, I had a very hard time bonding with people because I was afraid that once I, um, connected with them that they would leave so I I I started fighting instead of falling in love I was a fighter and that was a defense mechanism to keep people away from me 
Yeah. Let me fight them. Let me be mean to them. Let me hurt them before they hurt me. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be hurt anymore. I didn't want to be abandoned. I was afraid. I was just, I was an emotional wreck. Yeah. Yeah. So even through, I guess, some of your formative years, like 13, 14, and 15, what were some of the other things that, that you think made such a, um, an impact on your life? 13, 14, 15, the impact, um, my education. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't afraid of learning. I wasn't, I knew that there were some challenges, but there was this faith that I had in myself. Yeah. I didn't have it in other people, but I had this, this faith in myself. And so I use, I was able to use education as a way to, um, as a way to escape. Mm -hmm. So I just, I I always, I stayed at school. If there was track, there was, if there was no track, then there was cross country. Um, And then school became my safe haven. And so with that, because I was at school so much, then you take a liking, your teachers take a liking to you. And so now you have extra credit. And now they're like, okay, I think you take this AP class, or I think you should be a peer counselor. And they set you up for all the, they set you up and you don't realize that all those things that they had set you up for um, was a gateway for your college. Yeah. Um, so I never felt fearful to get an education. It was after the education though. So now I'm, I'm, I graduate from college and you, I'm equipped. I have everything that I need. I have a degree. I, I, um, I have the confidence as I think that I need to go out there and, uh, get a job. And so that same friend, my roommate that, uh, told me, help me dance her name is Felicia mm-hmm. and Felicia it's okay it's okay I don't it's think okay. I would have made it I know without a shot of a doubt without Felicia yeah I wouldn't have made it Felicia grew up with her both her parents um middle-class family not rich family but she didn't want for anything she she had a car she had all of her basic needs met when I met her we were 18 years old and she was just this happy girl but she suffered from anxiety so I had fear and she had anxiety and we figured out how to help each other so the things that she was anxious about which was leaving for the first leaving her family for the first time was something that I never had to experience yeah so I was able to help her through her anxiety and she would have these anxiety attacks every morning to get up for class she couldn't get up she was like I miss my mommy I miss my daddy I want to go home and I'm like don't leave if you leave me then then I'm not gonna have anybody so we helped we kind of like helped each other through it so yeah excuse me so I graduate excuse me hold on so I graduate high school I mean college yeah and I'm equipped right I'm equipped with everything so we get a we do our resume we get we take a class and they teach us to make a resume 
We make our resume and now it's time for me to apply for a job. And I'm like, okay, I can fill it out because I'm educated. I know how to read and write <laughs> and I can submit it and I can go in and, and submit it. But at the, before the interview, I got so scared. Why? And I, I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know. I, I had no confidence. This is when I realized that I lacked self-confidence, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm telling Felicia, I'm walking her through my fear of this interview tomorrow. And she had already landed a job. This is like, let's say two, three months have gotten by, right? Mm -hmm. um, and she had already landed a job. This is actually, we hadn't graduated yet. We were actually in our senior year right? So we were getting, we were doing our interns. And so we had to submit this application and she had already submitted hers like in January when they first gave us, when we first started the class spring semester. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now it's April, May and we were about, the semester's about to end and I still haven't gotten done an internship yet. Right. And so, so she says, what are you fearful of? And I'm like, I don't know what to say. And you know what Felicia said to me? She said, they need you as much as you need them. And I say, why do you say that? She said, because if they didn't need you, they wouldn't have a help wanted sign. She said, you go in there with, a, with confidence as if they need you more than you need them. Hmm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so she helped me. She prepped me with the interview. She gave me some questions or whatever and um, answered the questions. I went in. The job was for uh, Child Protective Services as an intern, social work intern. And she said, use your story. Tell them your story. Tell them, give them some relatable experience. Get, tell them. So they're going to ask you. So I went in, I was dressed um, appropriately, had all, everything that I needed. And I, I nailed that interview and they hired me not only as, not as an intern, but as a full social worker before I graduated. So I was graduating, mm -hmm. I think like a month or two, June, I believe. I'm not sure exactly, May 8th. So this was probably like March and I was graduating in May. So I graduated, I, um, I landed the job. I didn't get an internship. I actually got a job. So I was making like $60,000 yes. <laughs> early on, uh, right before I graduated. So um, that was an opportunity where I was able to face fear. Um, and from there, I use that same analogy or that same saying to other people. I give that, actually gave that to my own son. Um, as he grew up, when he was fearful. Um, yeah. And I have this saying, this Bible scripture that I tell myself if when I do get scared is Philippians 419, if I'm not mistaken, it's mm -hmm. I can do, do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. And so I would just say that and it would just take the fear away. Um, but fear has always been there. It wasn't until recent at 45 years old that I say, fuck fear. Like I yeah. finally have come out of, now I'm fearless. Like I want somebody to tell me that I can't do something. I like the feeling 
that comes up in me when I when it's something new because I've never done it before I I look for that feeling yeah but it was a progression I didn't just wake up and magically get hearing sigh and got here it was with a lot of therapy years and years of therapy lots of self-help lots of yoga lots of (laughs) telling myself that I can do it yeah um and here we are yeah what do you think are some of the other fears that carried over into your adulthood that really crippled you until you got to the point where you are now fear of not being good I didn't feel good enough Mm. I didn't feel good enough. Um, and with not feeling good enough, you date, you date according to where you are. Yep. And so I have had a tendency to, I know how to, I'm a very good judge of character. So I can choose a really great human for who they are. I choose or chose, still do, choose people for who they are not by on the inside not by Mm -hmm. who they are on the outside Mm -hmm. and so I chose two men to marry based on their stories from the inside and not by their characters Mm -hmm. um and it caused me to be in volatile relationships because I didn't have my own I didn't I lacked my own self-esteem Mm-hmm. Um, and so it caused me to get into two marriages, um, based on my lack of, um, uh, confidence, mm-hmm. married two men that at the time weren't deserving of me of, or of anything that I was given, but I have to be thankful that I, I did get a child out of one of the marriages. Um, so I was able to, that I was afraid to be a mom. I don't know if you know this. Um, I never aspired. I always wanted to be a wife, but I never aspired to be a mother. And the reason was I was afraid to give, I was afraid that I would not be able to adequately give a child what he or she needed because Mm -hmm. I didn't adequately get what I thought I needed to survive or to be whole. As a child, um, just, as a child. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't mm-hmm. want to bring a kid into this world and have him or she feel the way I felt. So that was never yeah. an aspiration of mine. Um, but when my first husband and I got pregnant, he was really excited. And I was like, not excited because I didn't feel that I had what it took to be a mom. And he reassured me that I did have what it took. And in fact, he wanted to make, he wanted to make that with me. Um, And um, after weeks and weeks of uh, contemplation, um, I chose life. Yeah. And uh, he and I made a pact that we would uh, raise him together, no matter what. And he never took that from me. I never took that from him. And he didn't take that from me. He never left. He never abandoned all the things that I was fearful of, afraid of. He kept his word and um, helped me raise him. And that very thing that I was fearful of turned out to be a false evidence appearing real. So that's what I call fear. 
fear for me was false evidence appearing real. So mm. this false evidence that I created um, being uh, not being a great mother was all false because I turned out to be a phenomenal mom. Not to yes, you toot are. My own oh, horse, yes, toot but- your or- own horse. <laughs> Shit, of course. <laughs> See, um, that is, I think that is one of my, not I think, that is one of my greatest accomplishments because yeah. I gave him everything that I did not get. And so what I didn't know was that you don't turn out to be the product of your environment if you choose not to be. And so I chose, sorry for the element. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, at home, COVID, at home, you hear dogs, people right. cry, babies crying. Um, All kinds of noise. Um, <laughs> yeah, in the background. So um, the, the, the thing that I was a fear, the thing that I was so fearful of turned out to not be real. Yeah. Um, and I was able to give him everything that I did not have. And the seed, the fruits, the seeds of my labor are harvesting. And I am now watching this 19-year-old ama- who's way better than I was at 19. And I, pretty, mm-hmm. I was pretty phenomenal. So right now he doesn't have a car. He wrecked his car. And um, so he's taking the BART. He's in the Bay Area. And so he call, he'll call mom. And I'm like, yes, sunshine. He goes, I just want to let you know I'm on the BART in case of an emergency, anything happens. I'm on the BART and I'm on this station and I'm going to get off the BART at this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's so sweet because oh. he's, he's a little nervous. Yeah. He's a little nervous, but he has his mother who's his security blanket who can help him through it. And I'm like, are you, are you nervous, honey? He was like, I'm a little nervous. This is new. You know, he's in a new town. And he's yeah. utilizing the public system for the first time. He never took a bus prior to now. But I think this is good. This is a part of his story. It's like, hey, I don't have a car right now, so I'm taking public transportation. But he's able to live a life fearless. Mm-hmm. So I was able to give him that that I did not get. Yeah. You know, my, and I've told you this before, I think one of the one of the most amazing things about you is for all of the trauma that you have endured and experienced, mm-hmm. it, it, it could have easily kept you down and it could have easily broken you. But the person that you are now is so amazingly strong and resilient. And it is just Thank so you. beautiful to, you know, to for us just to be as close as we are and to know that yes. you are such an amazing person for all that you've been through, you know, for all that you've Thank been you, through, it could have broken you. Seriously. Thank you, cousin. I really appreciate you. As you know, I love you. You are my sounding board. You are you. my best friend. You are my sister. <laughs> You're like more than just a cousin. You're like, yeah. You're you're that person for me and and we have these dark deep conversations yeah. all the time. Yes, a lot all of the things that happened to me that were not these things were not self-inflicted. These were not things that I had any control over, right? Yep. I had no control over the abuse and the neglect and all the things that I went through. It was given to me. Yep. But early on I said to myself, and I can remember, it was ninth grade, 14 years old. I had a best friend who I would have 
we called each other boyfriend, girlfriend, but we were not physically intimate with each Mm -hmm. other ever. So he was a boy. It was a guy. And um, I had my first conversation with him and he and I would have these conversations about me not wanting to be a statistic. Mm. So I grew up at 14 and I was introduced to this young man by his older brother who was 18 and we were 14 and his, he saw me walking down the hallway and wanted me to date his brother. Well, I was scared of boys because I didn't want to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Getting pregnant was going to stop me from pursuing my dreams. Remember? Right. Yep. Um, but we became friends and I share that with him that I didn't want to have sex and that I wanted to save my virginity. And so he never, ever tried. And in our conversations, I um, would tell him that I was afraid of all these things and that I did not want to be a statistic. And at that moment, I made a pact to myself that I, no matter what happened to me, that I wasn't going to ever let my circumstance define who mm-hmm. I am. And that is the reason that nothing that was put on me broke me because I did not allow it. I had an aunt who took me in, who tried to break my spirit. I then shared that same experience with that she gave me to my second husband. And he later tried to break my spirit. Mm. But I realized that I had the power and that nobody could take that from me. And so the reason that I stand here and I'm able to share my story is because I deliberately did not not allow anybody to take those things and put that on me and break me to put me in a loony bin. It was predestined that I wouldn't be that. Yeah. And, And so when things trigger me, when my anxiety comes up because of something that felt like my past, some people ran to, some people would run to drugs. Some people would run to food. Some people would run to things that were distract, was a, this, uh, that would take, how, what am I trying to say? They would, it would be um, detrimental. Yes. I never wanted, I I never went to things that was detrimental. I went to Jesus and I'm serious. At 14, (laughs) I went to Jesus and I went to therapy. Yeah. So anytime today, that is my remedy. If I'm triggered, if I'm having anxiety, if I'm feeling sad, I pray and I go to therapy. Yeah. I never allowed my, I never got caught up in um, drugs because my mom. So that was not something that I ever wanted to do or be was a drug addict. So I today don't take pills like medication. Mm -hmm. If I have a headache, then I just drink water. I detox. Now Mm -hmm. I'm going to juice fast for the day. I'm not going to eat sweets. I'm going to do natural remedy over taking medication. So I'm anti-drugs. Um, I just never wanted anything to make become a habit. So I don't yeah. do, I don't have any habits outside of my daily hygiene. Outside of that, my day, every single day, I drive a different way. 
I eat different foods. I dress differently. I don't like habits. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Because you have to like, you have to keep yourself challenged. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what is what is one more thing that I think you could tell the audience if if people listening have had a similar experience or have just had times in their life where they have they have lived through something traumatic that has triggered them as an adult or that comes up. I mean, a lot of times we don't know what our triggers are until we see something or or a memory reminds us of something or even a smell reminds us of something. What is some what is what is another thing that you can say helped you that you think would be relevant? That's a good question. So for me, I would say it is something that makes if it makes me feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I may not I may not at the time really delve with it per se but what I learned is to listen to it mm-hmm. or to s- listen to it and to examine it what is it about this thing that is stopping me from let's I'm going to use an example of crossing the street okay my first time crossing the street a busy street so for us a busy street in California in Los Angeles would be La Cienega. Mm -hmm. That is a huge street. That street probably gets a million cars a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is one of our major cities in Los Angeles. Anybody that knows Los Angeles knows that La Cienega is a big city. I mean, a big street. I learned to walk across a street similar to that in Compton called Long Beach Boulevard. Yep. And this is in the 80s and there's no traffic lights. There's no cross, there's a crosswalk, but there's no light, red light, green light, yellow light, stop. You, this car, this street only has a crosswalk and these cars are flying. There's no stop signs. You literally have to cross, you have to go out in order for the cars to stop for you. Mm-hmm. Now I am six or seven and I have to cross the street with no parents no big brother. And that feeling is fear. That is fear, right? That is like, when I feel that, I address it. So I would tell anybody, if something is causing you to be paralyzed, it's probably something that you have to do. Because what it's going to do is take you to the other side of the street. Mm. And the other side of the street is where your blessing is. Yeah. So that's like God saying, and I'm spiritual, okay? Yes. Not religious, but I talk about God a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how to, I can't quote a thousand scriptures and all that. I don't <laughs> know that part. But, <laughs> but my foundation is Christ, right? So my thing is, how I reconcile it for myself, fear, how I reconcile fear and how I face fear is I have to remember that six-year-old girl, right? 
Now, I knew at 14 that I did not want to be a statistic, right? Because I already shared that. So my six-year-old self is on the other, my six-year-old self is on the west side of the street, but she needs to get to the east side of the street where her 14-year-old self is. Mm. Now, at six years old, I could have allowed fear to paralyze me and stop me from meeting up with my 14-year-old self that was going to take me to my 45-year-old self. Yeah. Instead, I faced fear and walked to the other side where my blessing was. Had I not, I would be stuck in a six-year-old body, probably on drugs, probably homeless, probably a strawberry, because I allow false evidence appearing real to paralyze me. Yeah. So if fear is paralyzing you, it's because you have to do it. Yes. And you're yes. not going to probably be able to. It's so crippling, cousin. Yeah. I don't know if you've yeah. ever felt fear to the point where you can't fucking get up. Yep. Right? Yep. So yep. you're not going to physically, mentally, emotionally, even fit spiritually sometime to get yourself up. Yeah, you gotta get help. Yeah. So I would say, if fear is paralyzing you, it's something that you have to do, and you gotta go get help to get to do it. Right. Otherwise, you're gonna stay there, and you'll never get up, and you'll allow fear to paralyze you. And we say, what to fear? Fuck fear. Fuck fear. Exactly. There's nothing else to say after that. (laughs) (laughs) I love the acronym false evidence appearing real. I love that. And it's like, we have to say that that to ourselves every single time and also not letting what we think is going to happen actually stop us from doing the thing that we need to do and being okay with feeling whatever it is, feeling the pain of whatever that moment is. And yeah. getting through that, because that's the only way to get to the other Amen. side. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. So I know mm-hmm. people are probably wondering, they're like, well, what are you doing now? What is it that you're doing? Like, are you still afraid? Like, do you feel fear? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I like the feeling now. <laughs> and you, she said that with a smile, you guys. <laughs> Yes. Like, I like it. Like, I challenge it. I'm like, where are you? So one of my sisters wrote, um, she started doing COVID. She started um, painting on rocks. Yeah. And she knew as a young girl growing up with me that I was afraid of water. I was afraid to swim. I was afraid to dance. I had all these things that I was afraid of, right? She made me this rock and it says fearless because she told me, like a few months ago she was like do you realize that you went from being this scary ass girl to now this fearless ass woman and I am I fear I'm fearless like I there's nothing that I I probably won't jump out of a plane and no girl you gotta do it it's exhilarating. Oh my God. I think everybody needs to do that once in their life just to feel a sense of really? complete and total exhilaration and peace 
there is so much peace in it. We have really? to do it. Yes. The next time I come to LA, we're going to do okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I, that, um, yeah. that drop, you know, that, um, yes. feeling yes. that you feel in a, yes. um, on a, I used to be afraid of roller coasters. So that feeling that you feel on a roller yeah. coaster, I don't like that feeling. So I feel like that's the feeling the whole time you're skydiving. Uh, is that, it's not, it's, it's not. Okay. It's not. It's not. Okay. No, Mm-mm. It, it's, it's amazing. I, I mean, the time when I did it, as soon as we landed, I was like, can we go again? Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. It was unbelievable. Oh my God. Everybody's just skydiving. Wow. Yes. It's amazing. Well, that's good to know. I, yes. I have never yeah. had a desire to skydive. Everybody yeah. that has ever done it has all said the same thing. Like it's, you have to do it. And I'm like, no, yes. thank you. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going. Okay. All right. We're okay. going. For sure. I'm down to go. Good. All right. Well, this has been so amazing. I am so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful for our relationship and the strength of our relationship and us, Amen. how we reconnected as adults. And, and you yes. know, um, I'm sorry for all the things that happened to you in your life. I am grateful for how it has strengthened you to the person that you are now. So thank you so much for today. And I love you so much. Thank you for listening today to a new episode of Fuck Fear. We will see you next time. Thank you for having me. I love you, cousin. Yes, I love you too. Coming up on a new episode of Fuck Fear. It is definitely, I'd say it's the number one issue I see with my clients. Um, They are either aren't living their truth and aren't sure what their truth really is and they feel like something's off and they aren't sure why or they recently decided to live their truth and are navigating all the uncertainty and judgment and fear that comes with that are you living your truth do you even know how to find it and figure it out well austin-based life coach ellen torson is back for another episode that i hope hits close to home for a lot of you Fear of living your truth is what we talk about. She'll tell you how to figure it out for yourself if you join us on this next episode of Fuck Fear. Be sure to set a reminder and join us for this very riveting conversation. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you feel led, I'd love for you to write a review, check out other episodes, and as always, thank you for listening. Thank you.